You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. Welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more, kind of. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David O'Mill, and I'm laughing, of course, because I've been anything but daily or reporting on every game, and it's because, as I mentioned last week, I am in the middle of a move, even after a number of days of boxing everything up, putting everything away, cleaning as much as possible, and trying to get the heck out of here, I am still trapped up in Gainesville, Florida, in an otherwise empty house, except for myself. Uh, if I hear, if you hear an echo in the recording, it's because every room in the house is completely empty, and I am still waiting for the official ability to move down to Miami. I should be there tomorrow, but for now, I wanted to record one show because I've been anything but consistent, and I apologize for that. I'm very, very grateful for all of your patience. I hope you'll continue listening as I continue to record more and more shows over the next few weeks, even with the holidays coming up and everything else. Partly, the move to Miami is going to give me the ability to cover this team at an all-new level, a much higher level than I have in the past. And so I hope that I'll be able to produce not only better content, but more regular content as well. But for now, I appreciate the patience, and hopefully you'll bear with me, even as I record from this hollow room. Hopefully the echo isn't too bad. But more importantly, the Heat's been winning anyway, so you've got a lot to be optimistic about, despite not being able to listen to my dulcet tones on a daily basis. The Heat's gone 3-1 and one over the last week, and part of the reason for that was Jimmy Butler, who's been named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. A press release sent out by the team earlier today announcing that Jimmy had been named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. This from the press release, he's averaged 27.5 points, 9 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and 1.25 steals, while shooting 48.4% from the field and 41.7% from three-point range. He's also posted two triple doubles during the week and led the team in assists in all four contests in points three times in minutes and blocks on two occasions and in rebounds and steals once each. He scored at least 20 points in all four contests, including a 30-point performance. So a great week overall for Jimmy, a very, very good week for the Heat in general, and a lot to be optimistic about because this team continues to play at a very high level and they've, they've found a way to win games. Uh, it's been a couple tight ones. Uh, they struggled against the Chicago Bulls, but thankfully they also had Tyler Hero, who is the reason that the Miami won. Uh, he is what everybody's talking about today, and uh, partly because he had such a phenomenal performance against the Bulls on Sunday in a game that I was able to watch part of. Uh, I was kind of distracted, obviously still moving, and still packing things away, and so it wasn't quite so easy to just focus on the nuances of the game. He did have 11 points in the first quarter, didn't score again uh, until the fourth, when he actually erupted for 18 combined points between fourth quarter and overtime. A phenomenal game from him, and he just seems to be, well, he, he seemed very, very able to score in the moment. He didn't shy away from it, and he looked like a dominant shooter. He was able to create shots for himself. He was able to get to the rim, and he looked very good from the perimeter. They went to him down the stretch, and he was able to knock those shots down. So a lot to break down there because I think that's what everybody's most excited about today is the fact that Tyler continues to be playing at a very, very high level, and he's had some off games. He hasn't been as consistent as maybe we'd all like for him to be, but the reality is that he is a rookie. He's also 19 years old, and he's done very, very well despite all those factors. And I think the game against the Bulls shows one thing. One, 
obviously, like I said before, that he doesn't shy away from the moment. I think we all knew that, that he has confidence at a high level. Not irrational confidence like Mario Chalmers or even our friend Dion Waiters, but more just the kind of confidence that a lot of NBA players have when they're able to knock down shots, they're willing to knock down shots. That's the other thing, though. That's There's a separation between that. I think I think if you look at Josh Richardson, a good example that a lot of people criticize over the last few years, I think he has the confidence. He says so publicly. He's told me that he has the confidence in his game and his ability to be a scorer and leader. But you can see a different story during the waning moments of game when he has to create an opportunity for himself, when he has to knock down that shot. That's not to say he hasn't come up big in some clutch situations, but overall, I don't want to go so far as to say that he shies away from the moment, but he doesn't embrace it. I think Tyler here is a little different in that he does embrace those moments. He does want to be the guy to knock down those shots. And it's been incredible to watch him grow during this rookie season from still a 19-year-old player with some, well, I don't want to say lowered expectations, but I think there were a lot of people, myself included, who weren't sure what we were getting out of Tyler Hero. And I think he's met those expectations and exceeded them by a wide stretch there. So I'm not quite ready to proclaim that he is a future superstar. He has incredible talent. He has incredible shooting ability. I think there is a versatility to his game that we did not expect, that many people did not see, obviously, in high school or in his one year in Kentucky. And certainly when he was entering the draft, there was more than enough criticism of him there. I remember during our Blue Notebook series over the summer when we were looking at potential draft picks, my former co-host Wes Goldberg was not very optimistic about Hero's long-range impact in the NBA. They weren't sure whether he wasn't sure whether or not he was going to be able to stick around because of his shortened arms, because of his inability to play defense at a high level. But this team has found a way to unlock a lot of what Tyler does well, from his playmaking ability to his rebounding, and even hid some of his weaknesses on defense. I think because of the overall strength of this team's perimeter defense, Tyler's been able to not be victimized in a lot of one-on-one situations. And he's able to actually anticipate a lot of passes and things of that sort. And he, he seems to be in good position. He's also willing to do the work. And I think there's also been a tone set here among the team that they're very, very supportive of young Tyler. And a lot of that might have to do with the way Jimmy Butler has brought Tyler in and, and kind of taken him under his wing. I think that's a special relationship there and a necessary one. I think for, I'll never forget, and maybe this is something I've mentioned on the podcast before, so my apologies for that. But back in 2008, when the Miami Heat drafted Michael Beasley, that was a case where Beasley, very raw, emotionally, maybe intellectually, I don't want to say that he was not quite bright, but let's say he was a little immature. And he, he definitely had some maturity issues there. And he needed a leader on that team. He needed somebody to guide him, to take him through the ropes, to, to not force him into the fire so quickly to kind of help transition from college, you know, after having spent one season at Kansas State, uh, you know, to go into the league, that's that's a whole different, you know, set of challenges there. And I think a lot of young players need a responsible veteran role model. And Dwayne Wade was not that. Uh, I think Dwayne was very critical of Beasley. He was pushed him a lot. He also expected him to just live up to the challenge there. And that was unfortunate because I think it could have gone a lot differently for Beasley. You know, obviously his two years at the start of his career were fairly solid. And then obviously he was traded in 2010 in order to make way for LeBron James and the big three. 
But at the same time, uh, who knows whether or not Michael might have been able to turn into a different player and person if he had gotten a little bit more guidance from Dwayne. Jimmy seems to have learned a valuable lesson from Dwayne. Uh, even though he, he wasn't there during that stretch, he did meet an older version of Dwayne who might have done some mentoring to Jimmy himself and might have helped him a little bit. And even if you think back to you know the really rotten season that Jimmy and Dwayne shared in Chicago, they were very critical of the young players. A lot of them did not live up to those expectations. And, and I think there's been some softening from Jimmy. I think... I think a lot of the national media has shown over the past few years that Jimmy can be very critical. And, and this isn't to, to take any credit away from Tyler, because I think he's lived up to the moment. He's embraced it very much, and he's done the work, more importantly. And I think that's something that Jimmy, above all else, respects, is anybody who's willing to do the work will be respected in his eyes. And, and, and so maybe there weren't those kind of young players in Chicago that were willing to do the work, but I don't think it was quite that. I think... I think the combination of a younger version of Jimmy Butler and a, a you know less uh, a gentle version of Dwayne probably were not accepting of guys that were, were not willing to do the work all the time, that were not always living into the big moment. And, and I think that was a problem. And obviously it, it led to some friction on a team that was pretty underperforming there. And obviously there was the well chronicled uh, back and forth between Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade and everything else about what vets should do and who criticizes who and why and a lot of the young players resented Dwayne and Jimmy because of that criticism and things of that sort so the point being I think that we're, we're seeing a better version of Jimmy Butler now who has made Tyler feel like an important part of this team and although Tyler is going to struggle at times because he is a 19 year old rookie uh, moments like he had against the Chicago Bulls show that he can be a very very good player and even when he was drafted, although I didn't necessarily see that there was this kind of potential from Tyler, I do recall saying that this was a plan from Miami. That's what it felt like on the draft night, is that they, they went completely out of the box. Because this wasn't the BAM selection a few years before. Uh, this wasn't a more obvious selection like Sekundu Mbuya or, or Kevin Porter Jr. Or anybody that seemed a lot more likely to, to fit with Miami at the time. This was about recognizing something in Tyler Hero and, and understanding that as a franchise, you have a plan and it was to acquire a guy like Jimmy Butler. Maybe they had a realistic expectation that they were gonna be able to get Jimmy and so a guy like Tyler fit very well because of his long range shooting and everything else. He, he's a very good complimentary player at this point. Can he eventually reach another level where he's not just a complimentary shooter? Absolutely. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I, I've seen the comparison a lot about, and I think this is a little unrealistic right now, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is a very, very good player. I'm not sure if Clay Thompson can be your best player on a championship contending team. I, I think there's just an overall uh, limitations to his game that, that don't necessarily facilitate a, a title contending team. He plays with a guy like Draymond Green, a guy like Steph Curry. Both of them are very, very good at doing what they do best. I think Curry can obviously be your best player. Draymond provides a lot of the kind of versatility and playmaking ability that a contending team needs. But a guy like Clay is more complimentary because of his long-range shooting, his incredible defense. And, and for Tyler, the defense isn't there quite yet, but at least the shooting is there, the playmaking ability, and again, the rebounding have been greater than expected. And he's been a very, very nice fit. And... and I think we should just appreciate what Tyler can do. Uh, I remember earlier in the season when Kendrick Nunn was getting so much hype and deservedly so for his incredible performances early in the season. But clearly, I think Tyler Hero has stood out as the more consistent 
shooter, scorer, playmaker uh, of the two. And I think eventually we'll start to see Tyler's star rise. And we've already seen some plateauing from Kendrick, although he did have a good game against Chicago. But the point being that, that Hero has been very, very good. He's embraced the moment. And, and he seems to really be a competent scorer, even in, in clutch situations. And that's a huge thing for a 19-year-old and for a rookie. But let's talk about something else next. Is there a trade on the horizon for Miami? You're listening to Locked on Heat. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrap to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at D-R-A-M-I-L 13 on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. It's the time of year when everyone is traveling or running around getting thoughtful gifts for the people you care about. Think about giving yourself the gift of Audible membership. And now is the best time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months. Access an unbelievable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. And you can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two exclusive Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. You can listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while commuting, at the gym, or during your holiday travels. With Audible, you'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges and your own audiobook library that you can keep forever, even if you cancel. Right now, for a limited time, you can get three months off Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. I'm personally listening to Basketball Love Story by Jackie McMullen and Rafe Bartholomew. It's a great story. It's a great history of the game that we all love so much, and it's fantastic to listen to it whenever I want to. So just go to Locked on NBA to get your discount today. upcoming game versus the Hawks in the next segment but first just wanted to talk about the potential of a trade because I feel like that's still something that everybody keeps talking about and I know I kind of hinted at it I want to say it was last week at some point and just because I'm, I'm still just trying to figure out where this team is right now and I, I don't think that's quite clear yet I'm not sure if they've put themselves in the upper echelon just yet. I think a lot of the power rankings that you see on a weekly basis at the Athletic and other places, uh, maybe the Ringer, they all aren't quite sure what to make of Miami. I, though I think that they all have Miami ranked as a top 10 team. I think Bleacher Report listed them as eighth, etc. It, it's, you know, those power rankings are great for clicks because uh, fans really love to find out where their respective teams are and rankings and things of that sort. So it's not... It's not like you can use those in an accurate gauge exactly as far as what the team, where the team stands in the NBA as far as anything beyond their standings. I don't think it projects necessarily what this team is going to be like in the playoffs. And although Miami had a very good week where they beat Toronto, they also struggled. And then they won against some bad teams as well. So Miami is still, I think, a, a mid-tier team. I don't think they're, they're necessarily a title-contending team just yet. And so I think a lot of people feel that's... Miami is at that point where perhaps a trade would be the best opportunity for them to increase their overall ceiling this season. And I'm just not sure that's realistic. And so to me, I look at the other names that are available out there. Kevin Love being one. We had some reports that came out earlier this week from a number of different sources saying that Cleveland is open to uh, any kind of trade possibilities for Kevin Love. But you look at his salary and you look at what it would take to get a player like Love and the fact that he's getting paid as much as he is and that he is somewhat limited as far as his overall impact is concerned although I think he'd be a great fit in Miami 
he's just not a good he's not a good fit in Miami. I think those are those are limitations that that Miami can't necessarily get past. I think he his shooting ability is fine. I think he's a fine player. I wasn't sure about this team when I first talked about the Kevin Love trade possibilities during the summer. I thought I think it was a, a good pairing alongside Jimmy Butler. But now that we're seeing the depth of this team, that we're seeing all the scoring and playmaking coming from everywhere else, I don't know that you want to take on Kevin's salary. And I think part of that is that there is a bigger plan in place here for Miami in the front office is that they want to keep the flexibility to acquire a different superstar, another versatile, younger superstar that fits alongside the players that they already have in the roster, like Tyler, like Bam, like Jimmy. Uh, and I think Jimmy's going to be an older player when the 2021 summer comes up and, and players like Giannis Antetokounmpo or Victor Oladipo become available. But I think that those players could carry on the next great wave of, of heat excellence. And, and so we're a couple years from that. And I don't know if you necessarily want to... Well, that's a good question. I think maybe we should talk about that a little bit. And again, I, I'm talking to myself, so it's it's hard to gauge your feelings on that. But where does this team stand for you? Would you rather it be a title contending team right now, potentially with the acquisition of Kevin Love or somebody else along those lines that might be somewhat limited and available in the free agency market? It's not like you're going to get a Dame Lillard. It's not like you're going to get a, a, another superstar that might want out of their respective situations. First of all, I don't think Dame wants out of uh, Portland because I think he wants to take that team and build a contending team there. That doesn't seem very realistic right now, obviously, but it doesn't matter. I think Dame's happy in Portland being a Blazer. So who else is available that can take this team and make them great? Um, you know, I've seen some possibility of Miles Turner being traded from the Indiana Pacers because he's struggling alongside DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Turner's a fine player, but at the same time, he is a little limited. He could probably be a very good fit in Miami. I'll be 100% honest with you because he's a good defender, because he's a better long-range shooter. He's not a better long-range shooter than Myers Leonard. He's a better shooter than Bam. And so you'd put him at the center. You'd put Bam at the four, kind of like what you have with Myers and Bam right now. And I think Leonard would be a great fit. Uh, but I just don't know that he you, you, you're tying up a lot of salary to pay him. And you're also limiting you know any chance of acquiring another superstar down the road. So I guess the overall point is, would you rather have a title contending team now or the possibility of a title contending team? Because even if you acquire any of these players that I've talked about or any other player that I have not mentioned, are, are you going to get to that elite status? Are you going to be able to knock off a Philadelphia at full strength or a Milwaukee at full strength? And I know that's another question too, is if, if Giannis, you know, uh, suffers an injury and is lost for the year or something like that, then that opens up possibilities. And you want to be able to get a title as soon as possible. Can you knock off the Lakers or the Clippers in the Western Conference if they're healthy? And I'm just not sure that there's a player right now that can take Miami to that point. where they, That they can be a, a sure shot title contender. And then you're also sacrificing your future. And I know that it's hard to, to pin all your hopes in a future anyway that might not pan out. Because obviously if you clear up all this cap space in two years and neither Depot or Adetokounmpo want to become a Heat player, then you've given up all this, this these years of Jimmy Butler's prime for nothing. And so you have to understand that there's, there's probably been some kind of agreement between Butler and the front office. But I'm not sure what that is, and I don't know that anybody does uh, as to whether or not they're willing to kind of write it out this year. Right now, I'll be honest with you, Jimmy looks content in, in being the leader of this team and watching this young team grow and take it to another level, but I'm, not, I'm still not sure that if 
I'm not sure that they're capable of being a title contending team this year. I, I know that Jimmy said that publicly, but there are just there's still too many weaknesses there. It, it's so much of this team's reliant uh, on you know, their depth, on on everybody being healthy, on being quality role players, and and having those three point shots fall. You know, Chicago is not a very good team. You have to give them credit for playing very tough against Miami, but they the Heat struggled against the Bulls on Sunday for the most part. I mean, it was two back and forth, and again, they had to go into overtime just to knock out a, a struggling Bulls team that doesn't have much star talent other than Zach Levine, another name that we've seen potentially linked as far as trade rumors are concerned. And and, and so given all these weaknesses there, you know, is Miami capable of overcoming those and becoming a title contending team this year if they don't make a trade? No. Would a trade make them a, a title contending team? Probably not. There's just no perfect answer for what you might want. I mean, I think everybody wants a title, but I also don't think it's realistic. Only one team wins it every year. Uh, you'd like to put yourself in the best position to do so, but you also have to have a long-term plan and effect. If you acquire Kevin Love or anybody else, you're limiting the options of acquiring a superstar down the road. Whether it happens or not, who knows? But for now, it's I think it's a good dream to have, and I think it's a good plan to have, and I think that's where Miami's head is at right now, as far as their front office is concerned, is they'd rather be patient, have the young players on this team, take their development to another level, and then see whether or not a, a, a potential free agent is interested in joining the Heat in a couple seasons. I think out of Decumpo, we'll get a meeting uh, we'll give a meeting to Miami. I think that unless we see something, you know, down the road that might not play out that way, uh, you know, there's always the Bradley Beal acquisition. Um, who knows how that pl- will play out, obviously, with his contract extension that takes him out of the running anytime soon. But there are options, Oladipo, et cetera. Uh, there are good players in the horizon that are on Miami's radar, and I think that's probably where their heart is set right now. I just, I, I keep seeing so many trades about, Sorry, so many tweets and, and discussions about whether or not Miami should be linked to a potential trade and, and, and this season. And it just doesn't seem realistic to me. As I said before, I think another thing that you have to consider is that Miami doesn't have any pure assets there. I don't think you're going to give up on Justice Winslow just yet because injuries have been a problem this season for him. And, and we haven't been able to see him reach his full potential. Um, I think there's still a role here as an elite defender and playmaker. And that's ultimately what you can get out of justice. Even this season, um, you know, you, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to trade any future draft picks. However little we have in the future, you don't want to give those up for a, a, you know, a rental or a, an older player like love. Um, and I don't think you want to give up <laughs> Tyler Hero, you certainly don't want to give up uh, Bam and Abayo, and I don't think that there's much value uh, around the league for a shooter like Kendrick Nunn, who is somewhat limited as far as his overall impact is concerned. You're not going to get Damon Lillard for James Johnson and, and Deion Waiters. That's just not realistic. And so you have to look at what Miami has available to them, even with the expiring contracts of Myers Leonard and Goran Dragic, etc. I don't know that any team is going to want to give up their superstar for these expiring contracts as much as they'd want to get you know some kind of salary cap space or things of that sort they're going to want something in return you look at even cleveland who is already in an active rebuild you know i've asked chris manning host of locked on Cavs, what he would see the cavaliers wanting for kevin love and it's a lot it's a young player a good young player probably a tyler hero type a first round pick and then some other salaries there like dion or james johnson just to make it work that's a lot to give up, and it's not realistic because I think Hero is part of the future for Miami. 
even if you're going to acquire another star in, in Depot or Beal, uh, I, I still think that you know Tyler has a high upside right now and is and only 19, and so I don't think that they're going to include him in any trade talks. But you don't want to give up a player like Tyler Hero for Kevin Love, and so you have to look at what you're you're not going to be able to package. Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters for Kevin Love. That's not realistic. You're going to have to at least include a first. Uh, and so I don't know that they're willing to do that right now because because Kevin is not a perfect player, because he is more of a complementary role player, even at his age, even at his highlight, at, at the peak of his career, I, I think he was more of a complementary player. There's nothing wrong with that. There are very, very few superstars in this league. Uh, there, are, are, you know, there are some that are capable of greatness and Miami happens to have one already in, in Jimmy Butler. So you do need complementary players, but I just don't, I think you've got good complementary players on this roster already. And so a trade seems unrealistic, but I just felt like it's something that we should talk about. Uh, I just, I, I see this a lot uh, as far as discussions are concerned about whether or not Miami should engage in trade talks. And it's always fun to get in, into kind of hypotheticals and things of that sort, but they're also a little unrealistic. If there was going to be a, a move to be made, it's trading James and Dion, maybe a future second or a second that will never convey for a role player that will help immediately. Uh, I'm not sure what that kind of role player is. And also, maybe more to the point, I should have brought this up earlier, is what kind of player does Miami need? You look at, at the shooting that's already on this roster between Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Myers to some extent, even Kelly Olenek. You've got plenty of shooting here. You've got a primary playmaker and Jimmy Butler. You've got other guys that can make plays for others, but I think you're still missing an individual playmaker who can create his own shot. You're starting to see that more and more from Kendrick Nunn, although a little bit less efficient. Uh, you're starting to see that from Tyler Hero, although I think that's still a little inconsistent, but I think you already have playmakers here. If, if you were going to cement yourself into potential contending standings, you'd probably want another secondary playmaker, a guy who can create for himself individually and create his own shot. And I don't know that you're going to find that person for expiring contracts or for Dion Waiter's deal or anything like that. And so uh, I would just preach patience because I don't expect a move on the horizon. Uh, I don't see any player uh, that's going to be pried away from any system. I don't think they're going to part with Devin Booker in Phoenix or... Bradley Beal in Washington and things of that sort. You're not going to get a superstar or young superstar in the making there. Um, so I just don't see it happening. But the Hawks roll into town on Tuesday, and I'll preview the game next. You're listening to Locked on Heat. subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And if you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. So the Hawks roll into town on Tuesday, as I said before. They are winners of two of the last three, and so you would think that maybe they're on an upswing there, but those games were against poor teams, and they were losers of 10 straight before that stretch. So uh, this is not a very good Hawks team. Obviously, they have Trey Young there. Um, but they also have a porous defense. They're still missing John Collins after he was suspended for 25 games. He played in the first game that the Hawks faced Miami. Uh, Miami's played this team twice already as a divisional rival, and Miami has won both contests. I think both of them have been fairly big blowouts there, although the first one was a little tighter than expected when Collins was having a career night uh, and then Trey Young was lost to injury. But either way, um, 
this is not that team that we faced that first time around. I, we've heard reports already that Trey Young is somewhat exasperated with the Hawks rebuild, that it's taken a little bit longer. Uh, Kevin Herter is coming back into the lineup. I think he might already have been welcome back into the lineup. He's been in and out due to injury. And so they're going to get some help from there. Uh, but the Hawks aren't winning or they're not as good a team. I think a lot of people saw them as a fringe playoff contending team. And that has not been the realistic goal. Uh, that hasn't been something that they've been able to achieve because they've lost Collins for so long. Uh, again, for to him to for him to be out for 25 games uh, for, because of that suspension for player enhancing drugs, uh, performance enhancing drugs, it, it's been a major blow for them because he can spot he can you know stretch the floor a lot. He can play some pretty good defense. He plays some you know, good rim protection there, and he's an athletic body. He does a lot for that team as far as being able to to work that pick and roll with Trey Young so well. And unfortunately, he has not been in the lineup for them. And so they've struggled a lot more than a lot of people have expected them to be. But, you know, they can be dangerous. Uh, Trey Young will probably put up a, a, a lot of points. So that's an interesting matchup there to see who matches up with him directly, uh, whether or not it's Kendrick Nunn or Tyler Hero to start off. I'm sorry, or Jimmy Butler to start off the game. And then uh, it'll be interesting to see how the other matchups play out. I just, you know, they're not a very good defensive team. And I think we've started to see that Miami can be shaken from what it is that they do well if they're facing a, a team committed to their defensive principles. Uh, against Chicago, not a good defensive team in general, although they have some good defensive schemes there that they try and incorporate. They mostly try to bog things down a little bit. They were able to focus on Jimmy when he had the ball in his hands. He was driving to the rim, and then they would send multiple players at Butler to try and cut off any kind of passing lanes. It led to some turnovers there. It led to some, uh, you know, shot clock violations uh, they, they made things a little bit difficult because part of what works best for this heat team is to have an initial drive to the hoop probably by jimmy and then have it dish it out to unless he has an open shot at the rim there's a good chance he's going to dish it out to somebody along the perimeter in the hopes that they'll be able to knock down the three-point shot but with multiple defenders blocking off those lanes jimmy didn't have the kind of access to be able to dish it out to wide open shooters and so it bogged down the offense a lot and that's what made them such a, a it's such a close game and I was so back and forth for most of it I don't think Atlanta has the kind of defensive principles yet and the personnel really more importantly to limit what it is that Miami does um, but that's a problem for this Heat team too is that you know when either it's a team like Philadelphia you know cutting off Bam at a bios passing or, or a team like uh, Chicago cutting off Jimmy's passing Miami's offense is is so built upon creating opportunities for others passing to everybody making sure everybody touches the ball they haven't figured out a way yet to exploit those defenses and to fall into uh, you know another opportunity to create offense for themselves which is why a secondary playmaker as I mentioned in the previous segment is probably most essential for this team but I don't think Atlanta has the personnel, so it shouldn't be as much of a problem as it's been. Although I wonder with Trey Young's recent comments whether or not that lights a fire for this team. Again, they're getting Kevin Herter back, who is a pretty good complimentary player and shooter and, and you know overall score. But I just don't know whether or not they'll respond to Young's comments and, and see whether or not they want to take their game to another level and maybe challenge Miami. Miami, again, is still 10-0 at home. They have not lost at the American Airlines Arena. So there's a, a good chance that they'll go 11-0 on Tuesday, but it should be a difficult challenge. 
it, it should be an interesting one. How about that? Maybe not a difficult one. I misspoke there. It, it should be interesting to see how the Hawks respond to Young's recent comments and his frustration, whether or not they want to play a little bit better than they have in the past. Uh, but I also wanted to mention something else. I saw some comments about Vince Carter being a trade option. Uh, look, you don't want Vince Carter on this team. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I'm Vince Carter has chosen to continue playing this league. This is his last year. He's finally committed to retirement. He wanted one last taste of being in the NBA. He's 41 now, 42. I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, he's not a good player. I mean, there are things that he can do. He can still dunk. You know, he can still he can stretch the floor. He's going to be you know earning the veteran minimum at this point. It's not about money for him. He's he's already got one foot out the door. And he's not going to be able to contend. He, you know, I saw Chris Posada, I think, was a, a former colleague of mine at All You Can Heat, mentioned that that Vince Carter on this team would be a good fit. He would not be a good fit. I apologize. I, I just, I don't, you know, Vince Carter has never been a player committed to winning. And I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, he's, he's been about as, as individual numbers. He's been about uh, highlight reels and, and other things like that. All-Star mentions all the great things. He's had a pretty prolific career if not necessarily a great one and I think that reflects a lot of his individual attitude about basketball and and that's fine uh, you know there are players that can do that I don't I don't criticize them for that I just don't think you look at this heat team what they're capable of doing what they do well the kind of personnel they have now with young players making plays for others so much unselfishness and you add a guy like Vince Carter that's just that seems like such a ridiculous fit to me and so if there are anybody else out there and I did see some responses to Chris's original tweet uh, about that I, I just I don't I don't know why you'd want Vince Carter on this roster other than because he is a name and because he is a, uh, a hall no well potentially a hall of fame player that's that it's even a question whether or not he's a hall of fame player is something to consider when you look at uh, Carter's career there but you know, I, I don't have a problem with Vince Carter as a person or anything like that. I just I don't think he's a good fit for this team. I think it's fine for him to go to a Hawks team with low expectations, although some people did think that they might be able to push for a playoff spot. But uh, he is not a mentor. He is not going to be a sage presence in the locker room. You've already got that in a guy like Utanis Haslam, who is much more representative of what defines this team, the, the dedication to work, the ability to go in and, and do everything that you possibly can to contribute one way or the other. And you look at all the other young players on this roster who are, are already working hard from Hero to Nunn to Chris Silva to Duncan Robinson, guys that are already showing that they have embraced this culture so much. Vince Carter is not about that culture, and that's fine. Yeah, he, he can go and retire happily with his money and his points. Uh, and, and he's earned all of them, but uh, I just don't want him on this roster. So that's my own personal feeling, and I hope you feel the same way. Either way, check back on Tuesday after the game for a full recap. Hopefully I'll be in Miami by that point. But that's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. Yeah! Um.